Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. It is your boy Sky and Bobby coming back after a long offseason for us, which is actually kind of short considering. But we just took off the NFL playoffs. We finished up in week 17, brought home some TCK titles for y'all, took off the playoffs, enjoyed the NFL playoffs, played a little DFS back and forth behind the scenes, enjoyed a really exciting Super Bowl. Now we have taken a breath and we're back in the hot seat. Bob is with me tonight. We're going to be rolling. If you're new to the TCK pod, Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, we please ask that you subscribe to all of our avenues. We haven't been on in a while, so if you need a refresher here, that is TCK and Fantasy Focus on all streaming platforms. Make sure to subscribe to Fantasy Focus right here on YouTube, on Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter, wherever you're watching, and the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can get the recap episodes. We're going to have kind of a 2022 preview episode with all the boys as we get going here, but just a quick snippet of what you can expect from us. Bob and I are going to be on most of the time. Of course, you know, Bucky and and Levy and and the rest of the crew will be on when they can make it. Of course, the occasional guest as well. But we're also going to be doing a lot more like quick snippets this time of year leading up to draft season. Post guys, right? We're going to have coaching changes, of course. So make sure you check us out on YouTube where we're going to have five-minute, 10-minute clips on players diving deep into it. The episodes are a little longer, more high-level. So make sure you tune into us podcast and the YouTube as well for quicker updates. Hit that bell so you don't miss any of the action. Bob, so good to be back in the hot seat, man. I've been waiting for this for weeks. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of nice to have a couple weeks off. We go really hard during the season. We do a lot of work behind the scenes. You and I run an episode pretty much every night during the regular season for fantasy. Felt good to have a month or two off, but I am jonesing to get back at it. I can't believe we're flipping the script already. And, of course, we got to talk Super Bowl very quickly, not a Super Bowl recap, but I got to ask you, man, what did you do for the Super Bowl and what's maybe your highlight, plus or minus, from the Super Bowl? Great to have you back, brother. Yeah, man. Good to see you, Sky. Obviously, we haven't actually seen each other until like 10 minutes ago, so this has been uh, – it's good to catch back up. But, um, you know, based on the Super Bowl, I, I, I listen, I went to my, my girlfriend's parents' house. We hung out. We ate good food. You know, that's all good. My biggest takeaway is I'm super happy the Rams won because I love the aggressive style that the Bucks two years ago and the Rams last offseason took and they won. That's going to force a lot of fringe teams, teams that feel like they have those ready rosters, just a QB away. I feel like it's a rewarding pro. They're like, you know what? It's it's clearly working. Let's go get our guy. Now the question comes is who's that guy? I don't think Russ – people forget that Russ – and the Seahawks won 12 games two years ago. Like, I was like, I always laugh because they were three straight seasons of double-digit wins, made it to the playoffs. And everyone's like, well, Russ is going to get traded. I'm like, why would the Seahawks trade Russ? Like, they are not, they're just one year removed from a 12-win season. So, but, you know, Deshaun Watson, those kind of players, you know, you're going to see a market for those guys. And that, that's what I said. What about you, man? What, what was your biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl? First of all, on that, on that, I haven't thought about that, and that's such a great thing to bring in. Of course, we're going to talk about all the free agent moves as they come up, the NFL draft, obviously, and the coaching changes, which is some of my favorite episodes over the season. Before we get to that, though, like 
just what you brought up there, a team that's ready to go a quarterback away. Two teams jump, jump off the page for me. Washington, the commanders at this point, Washington commanders, formerly the Washington football team, and the Denver Broncos, right? A lot of talk about Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, whatever. But there's other quarterbacks in the market also. And I think the Denver Broncos and Washington commanders are a quality quarterback away. Great defenses. Great young roster, good running game, quality coaching. I think both those teams are on the fringe to really make a push. If they pull, you know, a Brady out of nowhere, they pull a Stafford out of nowhere next season um, in the free agent market. So that's a great move for me. Look, I think a lot of people were rooting for the Bengals, but expecting the Rams to win. I thought it was just a fun game. I loved everybody on those rosters. I'm a huge Cooper Cup guy. Small school up here in eastern Washington with the red turf, by the way. Love Matt Stafford as well. I'm not really big into like the Jalen Ramsey and and uh, Odell Beckham, you know, hype. It's not really my vibe, but Aaron Donald definitely deserves a ring. And I just thought they did a great job. They got, you know, beat up by the Patriots a couple of years ago, almost shut out in the Super Bowl. Sean McVay came back. They, they you know, made men's. Burrow had a chance to win. It didn't. And you know what? A lot of people are making a comparison to like Dan Marino. Made it yeah. to the Super Bowl against my Niners in 84. His second year never went back to the Super Bowl. Obviously never got his ring. I, if Joe Burrow could stay healthy, I think he's going to have more than one ring when it's all said and done. I'm sure the Bengals will be back sometime soon. I just thought it was a great game. Super happy for uh, Cooper Cup specifically. And it was just an entertaining game back and forth and then down to the wire. Yeah, you know, man, I, I just, I personally, I like the fact that there's some diversity now. Like there was the Rams, the Bengals. Like it wasn't like, hey, here's Patrick Mahomes. Oh, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes every year now. Like Patrick, now like the Bengals, okay. I We're probably going to spend so much more time than we're supposed to on this, but the Bengals got lucky as shit to get to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, but that Titans game, yeah. If Ryan Tannehill is to throw the interception with like 20 seconds left at midfield, come on. I mean, that ball does not get intercepted. The Titans could be the team that wins that game. I understand. I'm not throwing shade at the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. I think he's he's the truth. Um, you know, it's the rookie quarterback thing, right? Right, because he's on a rookie contract, so that's they got a couple more years of Burrow on that contract. So I would say they're going to be fine. But the thing is, like, you know, Kansas City's one tweak away. Buffalo's one tweak away from being better than the Bengals. So it could be a Dan Marino situation. Who knows? Well, we'll see. It's going to be a long time. I mean, Justin Herbert's on the up. We'll see what happens with yeah. these young quarterbacks. Another team that's a quality quarterback away, Bob, I'm going to throw out the 49ers. How about that one for you? Talk about a team that could have made it. If, you know, my boy Jaquaski Tart makes that interception midfield, the Rams probably don't even have a chance to make it. Maybe the Niners beat the Bengals for the third time in NFL history. But – that's enough Super Bowl talk. Let's turn the page. Let's get into 2022. This is our first 2022 offseason episode officially. Bob, super stoked. I'm going to turn the reins over to you on this one, my man. We're going to talk about 2021 fantasy football running back busts. Now, we have a great series that I'll let you introduce here in just a couple seconds over the next few weeks. But tonight, we're talking uh, running back busts from 2021. So I'll kick it over to you, my man. Let's rock and roll. So... I wanted to, I actually was watching this video about like how to get more engagement on YouTube. Right. So, and one of the guys said is to do how to videos. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, what, what could we do for fantasy football? And then I'm like, you know, how to avoid drafting a bust, how to find a steal. And that's what started this process. Plus we always do 20. We, one thing about this podcast, myself and you is that we do not move forward until we look back. 
We want to make sure that we understand what actually happened because we're going to get this reset in ADP. These guys are going to start dropping in certain places and immediately understanding because 2020 takes such a 2021 takes such a big precedent in how we view these players that it could be a fluke. You know, just two years ago, X player could have been dominant, has a down year. Everyone jumps ship. We get a value on him during draft season. So the question today is really going to be understanding how to avoid drafting bus moving forward. So by doing that, we're going to take a look back. Injuries are key in a lot of these guys we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then Sky is going to kind of dive into about – I'm going to have a bunch of info. Sky is going to tell you about 2022 outlook. Um, we do have some uh, very early ADP from PFF, which is – thank you. It's very nice that they have these rankings and stuff out already. But really the point of this episode is to understand that not only just injuries – some guys leave games early, but they don't technically miss the game. So figuring out, weeding through that, bad quarterback play. You know, Ian Brock for, for the Saints and how bad and much it impacts the Alvin Kamaras of the world. It's really important to diving into these type of things because, you know, we want to know if a guy busts, what were the reasons? And can we actually factor that into next season? So that's going to be like the main focus today. Understanding each bust, talking about their actual stats and also understanding their situation. So before we dive into that, is there a bus guy that really kind of gets under your skin just as coach? Maybe a guy you were high on, maybe a guy you weren't, but is there a certain player that is a bus that you you were you're a little bitter about? Sure. First of all, I think it's important to think of bust player. Okay, bust all these bust, steal, breakout, all these are subjective a little bit, right? Like Bob, if if I draft somebody at say, you know, running back four. And they finish it running back eight. I might be really bummed about that. You might think like, man, still finish top 10. I'm, I'm totally happy with that, right? A lot of it's subjective. You also have to either count injuries or don't, right? You can't count injuries for a guy like Chris Carson and not count it for a guy like, say, Kareem Hunt, okay? So those are kind of like the mindsets where I'm trying to take it. One of the guys that I was really excited on this year and made me fade his teammate this year that ended up getting injured and I was really frustrated to see was Kenyon Drake. I came out early this season. I had, you know, I drafted, well, I didn't draft any Josh Jacobs, but I had higher hopes for Kenyon Drake overall. My bold prediction was that Kenyon Drake was going to outproduce Josh Jacobs on the season. And my whole case preseason was that efficiency for Kenyon Drake to Josh Jacobs is not a conversation. Kenyon Drake just completely outproduces him with efficiency. But of course, Kenyon Drake did not get as much workload. When they had equal work, Kenyon Drake was as efficient, but Josh Jacobs scores touchdowns. Love that for fantasy football. Jacobs stayed healthy. I didn't know that that would happen. The offense played pretty well this year with all that was going on in Las Vegas. Didn't think that would happen. Then Jake and then Vegas went, or um, excuse me, then Drake went down and Jacobs basically had the entire, you know, pie to himself at that point even limping to the finish line, you know, with, with his terrible efficiency once again. Nonetheless, Kenyon Drake, unfortunately, was a real bomb for me because I expected a better year, and if he stayed healthy, I really do believe that he would have had a much better year in what was a much improved Raiders offense this season. Now let's dive into these guys. First one, of course, is going to be the obvious one. We start at the top. It's Christian McCaffrey. And when I look at CMC, and I you, he played seven games, and once again, it's just – it's going to come to the fact that CMC is going to be a first-round pick, but the question comes, how many guys are we going to take ahead of CMC? Honestly, the Jonathan Taylors, the Derrick Henrys, the Austin Ecklers seem to be the early favorites. But when I dive into Christian McCaffrey's season, 
it gets very – you could see the glimpses of how elite he was even when he was on the field. So he only played seven games. Only four of those games he played over 50% of snaps. And on top of that, in the four games that he played 50% or more in snaps, he averaged 22 points per game. That's better than JT. That's better than most guys. I mean, it's on par with what Derrick Henry put up this year. And one of the games he played was just over 50%. And he had like 12 points in that game. That was the first game back from the injury the first time. So when you're – honestly, when I look at CMC, it's like you see the upside. You understand the upside. And now it's back-to-back years of this injuries and the shortened season. And it's, it's, fan, it's almost like season killing because when you have that high pick – you're not getting another. If you don't nail those other ones, man, it's you're in a big hole. So, my question for you, Sky, is how many running backs do you feel comfortable drafting ahead of him? And what's your overall 2022 outlook on Christian McCaffrey? So, first things first, Christian McCaffrey is still in my top three running backs for 2022. I'm just not sure where yet, right? The only guys for me right now that are in that conversation, Christian McCaffrey, I'm still going to put Dalvin cook up there because I like the offense is going. I like where the new, new offensive minded head coach coming in, which we'll cover at another time and the workload with the touchdown upside. And then of course, Jonathan Taylor. So right now those are my top three. We'll see what happens. Fifth in points per game. Okay. So he, he finished, obviously he plummeted because of the injury, but he was still fifth in points per game. So when he was out there, he was still winning you weeks per usual. That was wide receiver five on the season, Bob. That's ahead of Jamar Chase, ahead of Tyreek Hill was Christian McCaffrey. So I know it's disappointed for two years in a row, but when healthy, he's incredible. He's got QB upside no matter what coming in this year, which I think is going to help him. That offense overall is going to be fine. He's still my top three. I just don't know where yet. In a full PPR league, I'm going to have a really tough time not taking Christian McCaffrey number one. I think back to Jamal Charles. For the OGs, Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson specifically back in the old school fantasy football, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. They were bona fide top one, top two, top three if they were healthy, but they got injured a couple seasons and it killed your team. That's going to happen with running back specifically in fantasy football. Okay. When Chris McCarthy's healthy and if he gets better, he's going to be fine. Think of Dalvin Cook. First couple seasons, everyone wrote him off because he got hurt. He's been healthy the last couple years. He's been absolutely crushing it. I'm still all in on Christian McCaffrey. Brings us to another guy, Dalvin Cook. And a lot of people are not going to sit here and say Dalvin Cook was a bust. But when I was looking through this information, you have to understand something. Dalvin Cook, I was genuinely surprised to find out he finished outside the top 10 in both points per game and overall. So I know overall seems obvious because he missed a couple games. But on a points per game basis, this guy finished outside the top 10. That was probably... Hands down, one of the most surprising things of this whole entire thing. ADP RB2 finished as points per game RB11, overall RB15. That's not going to, that is also not getting it done. But the most interesting fact is when he was on the field, he was also not producing. Now, a couple factors really brought this out for me. Lowest yards per touch of his entire career was this season, lowest touchdown rate of his career this season. He had 15 carries inside the five, only converted three for touchdowns. That is always going to bounce back. We talk about this all the time. It's about a 40% conversion rate on those. Plus, on top of that, it was the perfect storm. The previous two seasons, he averaged nearly 25 carries inside the five each season. That falls all the way to 15 
And on top of that, his conversion rate drops from 40% to 20%. So like the perfect storm. Talk about stuff that's going to bounce back. That will bounce back. So right there, you're going to see about three more touchdowns just on those alone. But you also are going to see probably a progression, especially with Kevin O'Connell coming in from the Sean McVay side of things. They love to run the ball in the red zone. We saw with Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, Todd Gurley, all those guys. So I I honestly do think Dalvin Cook is still – He's actually someone that I'm still going to have up there with Derrick Henry and JT and Eckler and CMC. But what's your overall 2022 outlook for Dalvin Cook? Again, I kind of alluded to it with Christian McCaffrey conversation. He's in my top three. I I have my, you know, we'll talk about Eckler and and Henry another show. But those guys for me are not in my top three. And Alvin Kamara, we don't even know anymore. So, you know, my top three are JT, CMC, and and Cook. And, And again, I like the head coach hire. It's going to be great. The archaic offense for Minnesota wasn't winning games and it wasn't great for fantasy football. And Dalvin Cook was still elite in that offense. His talent's immense. I'm not terribly worried about Alexander Madison when Cook is on the field because unlike Tony Pollard, who we'll talk about later, he does not cut into the offense if Cook is healthy. So I'm not worried about that. You mentioned the 15 carries inside the five, right? Only had six total touchdowns last year. In 2020, he had 17 touchdowns and he played one more game. Right. So huge upside for touchdown regression this year, which is great. He gets quality touches where you're looking for. He's got a fresh offensive approach, should help the touchdown upside in 2022. Unfortunately, my boy Dalvin Cook is one of the tougher stabs this year, though. Right. We have basically where he finished, according to, to ADP, where he was drafted, of where he was finished. He finished 13 spots lower than where he was drafted. That's tough when you're taking a player in the top five of your entire NFL draft, right? Guys like Zeke, guys like Saquon, they hurt, but they were a little bit farther down the draft. Dalvin Cook was a top five pick for almost everybody across the board in all formats. For him to finish outside the top 10, that one stings a little bit. But still, you know, it's hard to it's hard to argue with a, with a RB1 performance, and he did win you a couple of weeks in general. I'm still all in on Dalvin Cook. And look, if CMC or Dalvin Cook fade somehow outside the top three or the top five somehow next year, I'm all in on both of them. Got you muted. Damn, I just noticed that. They already are. I already seen it. Dalvin Cook in my, my mini mock that I did earlier in January, Cook fell a bunch of spots. Uh, PFF, all these sites have him ranked in the five to seven running back range. Great. It's, it's Great. recency <laughs> biased. Um, the other thing is like, listen, we talked about the offense, but we'll get more into that coaching change and stuff. Brings me to my next guy. Now, Zeke Elliott, this is the prime example of understanding Points per game versus overall finish. Zeke was the RB5 in ADP on average. A bunch of bunch of sites. His overall finish was RB6. That's great. His Solid. points per game finish was 19th. 19th. That is, this is like what I'm talking about. When you're looking at Zeke Elliott, you're going to say, how is he a bust? He's no way he's a bust. But when you draft a guy at top five, in some cases he went as high as three. You cannot have a guy going RB19 in points per game. That's like borderline replacement level points per game production. The only thing that happened with Zeke, he stayed healthy. Kind of. He also played through injuries. But here's a couple interesting things about Zeke that we probably should take notice of. The biggest thing is in 2016 to 2020, he averaged 23.5 touches per game. That number dropped to 16.7 this year. A main reason why? Tony Pollard. Pollard completely emerged 
as a steal. And honestly, when we talk about steals at the running back position, you're going to start seeing some correlations between the bust and the steal. And Tony Pollard was a steal this year because his touches skyrocketed and it all came at the expense of Zeke. So that is clear. I don't know if I personally see that bouncing back. I think this is the new norm for Zeke. That's 16.7 touches per game and then giving about 12 to 13 to Tony Pollard. But what's your thoughts on, on Zeke heading into 2022? Man, this one's a tough one. Obviously, Tony Pollard's a problem, right? Tony Pollard, and, and again, we'll talk steals another time, but spoiler alert, I'm talking PPR usually. You're talking half PPR. We try to you know split the difference a little bit in our conversation. In PPR, Tony Pollard finished RB28. All right, he's a backup running back that gets like little work compared to Zeke, and he finished RB28, which is amazing for his efficiency, right? So we do see the tide turning there in Dallas. A lot's going to change. We'll see what happens to Mari Cooper and everything else. But Zeke finished seventh among running backs and targets. Okay, so he's still getting targeted out of the backfield. We know he gets the goal line work. Dallas was not as efficient, although they had some big games early in the season, whatever. They have, you know, they can explode any given game, but they weren't doing it the way we saw two years ago before Dak got hurt. So the terrible efficiency from Zeke this year was the problem. The workload was still there, although a little bit less with, with Pollard coming up. I, I think here's here's the deal, Bob. When I think about 2022 and going into drafts with Zeke and Pollard, if I can convince myself and put into my mind that Zeke Elliott is an RB2, which is hard after him being a top five talent for five years in a row in fantasy and a top five drafted player. If I can think to him, think of him as a 12 to 14 to 15 running back versus like three to seven, I think I'm going to be just fine as a high-end RB2, right? Giving me like RB16 production every week. If I'm cool with that, I think I'll be totally happy with Zeke. If I'm expecting RB8 production every week, I feel like I'm going to be disappointed. So it's expectations for me. For Zeke, look, man, it's it's hard to hate a thousand plus yards and 12 touchdowns. I don't care how he gets it, he gets it, right? The next guy we're going to talk about is pretty similar as well. I'll wait on that. But a thousand plus total yards and 12 touchdowns, man, I want that on my fantasy team. It just is expectations, and he wasn't the Zeke of old. That's all. You know, and before we move on to the next guy with Zeke, he's already fallen into the third round of some type of early mocks. So that's the kind of high floor. If you want to take a swing on a guy like a Dalvin Cook who gets hurt more um, a little bit earlier than you normally would, if you want someone safer like JT, you could get a guy like Elliott as your RB2 at the third round. That's awesome. better value than top five. Awesome. Next guy, Aaron Jones. Um I asked you the question about who was your bitter bear guy, Aaron Jones. This how this kind of all started. I, I just stayed away from him. That's why I didn't cut me. His I, I stayed away. Hate. <laughs> I was so mad. Like so, my thing is like I was super bitter because I drafted. It looks like we got Bob out. He'll be back here in just a second. I'll pick up. So Aaron Jones for Bob. Obviously, he was the one taking Aaron Jones originally, and. So he got burned a little bit. He's back on here just a second. All right. Anyway, folks, sorry about that. Anyway, go ahead, my man. Um, but Aaron Jones, man, talk about a guy who just got under my skin. And the reason why is because I drafted, I was super high on him and it all started when he got hurt. Like it really did. Um, when you look at his, his numbers and weeks one through nine, everything was going fine. I mean, this guy weeks one through nine, 16.6 touches per game. Weeks 12 through 17. The reason why I did 12 through 17 is because he came back briefly for one game. 
Um, he also left one game, and then he didn't play week 18. So weeks 12 for Devin 17, those numbers dropped to 12.6. So we saw his touches drop by four, okay? He averaged under 10 carries a game from weeks 12 through 17. So his carries are down. His touches are down. And then the red zone work. Now, this is the biggest problem I'm going to have with Aaron Jones next season because the red zone work changed. Weeks 1 through 9, 28 red zone carries to only 10 for A.J. Dillon. Weeks 12 through 17, A.J. Dillon 19, Aaron Jones 4. So his entire red zone work was gone. He was used more in the passing game. Another thing was with Aaron Jones was he had one monster game. He had this one game in week two where he scored nearly 40 points. If you take that game out of his entire season, he averages 12.6 points per game. That's RB20. So this is a guy going in five to seven. And when you look at it consistently, I draft him in that range. Our ADP was 7.3. His points per game overall was 16th. His overall finish was 13th. So clearly this is a guy that I'm a little bit bitter about. But what's your thoughts on Aaron Jones? And the question you posted on Twitter, I saw Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, who are you taking in 2022? Man, that's really tough. I mean, for the value, it's going to be A.J. Dillon easy. I, I faded Aaron Jones, not because I dislike Aaron Jones, but the offense runs through Devontae Adams, or did. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. It did run through Devontae Adams. I know that. And A.J. Dillon's the truth. He didn't get much as a rookie year, but I expected him to get more this year, which he certainly did, and that took away from Aaron Jones. And he was incredibly efficient two years ago, 19 touchdowns two years ago, and I knew that would come down. So I actually faded Aaron Jones where he was getting drafted in like the second round in most drafts. So that didn't burn me as much. But look, man, you could close your eyes and we can say the same story about Zeke and Tony Pollard and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. It's a copy and paste for me. Almost identical for Zeke and Aaron Jones, which is not good because both these guys were like, you know, mid-late first-rounders, second-rounders. But Aaron Jones was tied with Zeke with 65 targets. That's awesome. That's seventh among running backs, 65 targets. But again, lost work to A.J. Dillon, which you had mentioned. But still, 1,000-plus yards, double-digit touchdowns for Aaron Jones. Same as Zeke, but it just wasn't enough because you expected so much. And then the younger guy comes up. And look, the reality is for 2022, I don't really have you know, uh, a real you know feel on this because it all comes down to Aaron Rodgers, obviously. If Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay, it's a it's one conversation. If he's gone, then it's a totally different conversation. So I'm going to put a pin in Aaron Jones for 2022 right now. But again, Zeke and Aaron Jones are the same. A.J. Dillon and, and Tony Pollard are on the rise. I'm probably fading both studs next year and taking, taking a, a swing on the backups. I think this is the biggest thing, too. So weeks one through nine, 14.9 points per game. That would have made it inside the top 10. I think what happened was A.J. Dillon was – they didn't. I don't think they realized how good he was in the passing game. So it ended up being a 1A, 1B situation instead. They basically realized this guy's interchangeable. And then when the game got – and the Packers are such a good team. When they're up in the fourth quarter, they're giving the ball to A.J. Dillon, not Aaron Jones, smartly, by the way, which makes sense. But overall, I think the biggest takeaway is you have to be where – it's hard to predict this stuff, but at the same time, when there's a good running back behind them who has high draft capital, like first or second round, you should be a little bit wary of drafting those guys in the first round. Last thing, Bob, before we move on to our next guy here, just, just to put a cap on the Packers offense. This is something we're going to talk about through the offseason too, but you and I talk about tendency all the time with offenses, right? Jamal Williams, my boy, goes to Detroit. 
right? Outside of getting hurt, when DeAndre Swift was done, Jamal Williams was my man. He was crushing it. He was great for Green Bay when they used him in limited work the last couple of years behind Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon, I don't think, is the receiver or the athlete that Jamal Williams is. They're just different type running backs. But they want to use two guys. Why not use that guy? You're right. In the cold, late in the season, late in games, fourth quarter. A.J. Dillon's a monster. Why not give that guy more work, keep Aaron Jones healthy? It just – you start put, doing the math in your head, man. It's, it was easier for me to fade. I'm sorry you got burned. Next guy's going to hurt a little bit, my boy, Saquon Barkley. Oof. Um, Oof. Barkley, well, the good news is if you listen to our podcast, you probably have no Barkley. We never really talked – we were Zero all Barkley. Barkley. You were probably the flagship of that. Um, neither of us really were high on him anyway, but ADP 8.5, he finished in points per game, RB 35, overall RB 31. I am about to sit here and throw a lot of numbers at you. So put your seatbelt on, going to throw you right back to the fire sky. Hope you're excited. There is something that's clearly obvious. When the Giants were out of it, they stopped, they dialed back Saquon Barley's touches and his snaps. Prior to this season, he averaged over 21 touches per game and 83% of the snaps. Okay? Remember those numbers. So when I looked into this, I said, all right, what was the problem? So in the games that he only had seven games of 17 or more touches, in those games he averaged 19 touches per game, 14.3 points per game. That's .75 fantasy points per touch. .75 is actually very good. Why is this important? Then he plays six games where he's under 17 touches. Remember, his career average is 21. Six games, 11.7 touches in those games, 5.1 points per game, and .43. So what does that tell you? When Barkley's getting the touches, he is producing for fantasy. When he's not getting touches, he just does not get into the flow, and it craters. Best part is it correlates perfectly with his snap percentages. He only played five games of 75% of snaps. He averaged 17.8 touches in those games, 14.2 points per game, .8 points per touch. That's very good. That's on par with guys like Alvin Kamara, 0.8 yards per touch, uh, point, fantasy points per touch. In the games he didn't hit 75% of snaps, those drop eight games. 14. Um, that drops to 7.4 points per game in those contests, 0.52 points per touch. So clearly Barkley was a product of the situation. They just never got him into the flow of games. It was completely terribly done by Joe Judge. Now we get Brian Dayball. Let's go. Super excited about that. What's your thoughts on Barkley now? He's fallen, looks like 4-5 to the 4th, 5th round. Are you willing to take a shot on Barkley in those rounds? Would you rather have Barkley or Zeke? Barkley. Barkley. I want Zeke in the offense. I want the talent of what Saquon Barkley can be, but i got to see it again. I'd rather have a old, busted Zeke in that offense than the question mark of Saquon Barkley. <sighs> Look, man, he had more than 15 carries just three times out of 13 games. And he went over 100 yards just once in week 17 when those that did draft him in the first round were probably not in the fantasy championship anyway. So I can't trust Saquon Barkley yet. Obviously, I love the talent. I love the kid. I'm rooting for him. It's just a tough couple years of these injuries, and the offense hasn't done him any favors either. I think the biggest issue looking at 2022, you're right. Brian Dable is going to help. The offense is going to help. Hopefully, Daniel Jones can take another step. Maybe, Bob, maybe two or three of your pass-catching weapons can stay healthy for like two or three games in a row. That'd be pretty cool, right? You maybe have some offensive linemen step up and stay healthy. Like the Giants have had no chance for a couple of years, and it, it's been unfortunate because they do have talent. It just hasn't come together. I'm right now, I'm 
still on the fade Saquon train. But if you're talking fourth, fifth round, again, you're talking RB2, maybe RB3, depending on how you draft. Look, man, I'll take Saquon Barkley, you know, over some of these other guys we're going to talk about. They're going to be in that quote-unquote RB dead zone from last year. I will definitely take a Saquon Barkley just hoping it works out and eat it if it doesn't. Um, if he's in the fourth or fifth round, but if he creeps back up in the third because he looks good and he puts out a quad pick and he's fast all of a sudden on the field and he's back up in the back of the second round, I'm not going to draft him. There's no chance. Yeah. Well, we'll see, man. I, I listen. I'm big fan of Brian Dayball. We'll get into all that. Crazy Me too. Shit but later. super. How how, listen, how great are the running backs in in Brian Dayball last couple of years? That's are an you issue kidding? For me. Jamal Charles, 1500 yard rushing season. Peyton Hillis, Madden cover. Reggie Bush, 1,000-yard rushing season. Devin Singletary, the last seven weeks, 18 touches per game and dominated so. for fans. Dominated. I Listen, I, I I understand the Josh Allen thing and all that, and he was more pass-heavy, and I get that. But, man, they finally just got, gave up on Moss. They gave up on Matt Breda, and they just moved into Devin Singletary. And, my God, that guy exploded. He was can, so good down the stretch. But, yeah. Can I can I can I preemptively wet your whistle just a little bit before we move on? You're a you're a Let's big time Giants fan. Anyone watching on the screen, you got the Giants flare in the background. You're the you're the Giants guy on the podcast. Bob, is there a chance at all that Daniel Jones could be 75% of Josh Allen in a season or two? Yes, 100%. Same Wild skill set, same size. Yeah, 100%. Oh my yeah. god, how about that? I mean, well, what the if- thing is you got to understand, man, when it comes to Daniel Jones, it's always been his health and the player's health around him. I mean, how many games did Barkley, Shepard, Galladay, uh Slayton, None. Tony all play together? I mean, maybe one, two. I mean, come on, like his entire weapons and then Joe Judge and the way they handled that situation. Jason Garrett, all that stuff was a disaster. I think Brian Dayball, he brings some clarity to the offensive side of the ball. But, yeah. I, anyway, I'm rooting for you, bro. I'm rooting for nah, you. That's good. We can't all have Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I mean? Oh, no, so, man, lucky that is what yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll do a quick commercial break. Let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And CEH, in my opinion, when you look at his numbers, it started off kind of weird, right? He has the two slow games. Then he rushes for two 100-yard rushing performances. Then he gets hurt. Then he comes back. He has a couple decent games. Then he gets hurt. Um, and my problem with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so when you look at his ADP, was RB14. He finished 28th in points per game and then 39th in overall finish. And that's a lot to do with injury. He, in the eight full games he played, he averaged 15.1 touches per game and 12.5 points per game. So 15.1 touches and 12.5 points per game in the eight full games he played. So there is something there. Those numbers are top 20 running back numbers. It's right around, it's still a little bit lower than his ADP. The problem is you can make an argument, McKinnon and Darrell Williams looked just as good or better in certain spot starts. And that's where the problem comes for Clyde. Now, I think this offseason, we're going to have to watch what they do with McKinnon. If they re-sign him again, I would be a little bit worried to draft Clyde. But if McKinnon walks, it's just him and Darrell Williams. Listen, if you look at the game logs down the stretch, he didn't get a lot of touches, but man, oh man, was he running the shit out of the ball. So I think there is some glimmer of hope and some value because his ADP is going to slip dramatically next season. So what's your thoughts about Clyde heading into 2022? Yeah, 2022, you hit the nail on the head, man. It really depends on Jarek McKinnon. Look, he was with my Niners for a couple seasons, never played because he got hurt a couple seasons in a row. 
you f- and then he was the backup for Adrian Peterson back in the day in Minnesota. We were all waiting for him to get that chance. It took five years for him to get into Kansas City, get an opportunity, and show his stuff for like three games, and we saw the athlete he can be. If he's back, if Williams is back, if Gore continues to uh, you know, excel, then I think CEH is in trouble, although I don't see any scenario where he's not the starter coming into the season, and I want the starting running back for the Chiefs uh, and the Andy Reid starting running back and all that kind of stuff. But again – not as my RB1, you know, great kind of a flanker PPR RB2, RB3, but definitely not as my RB1. If I go like zero RB and I got three or four studs of pass catcher and CEH is the number one guy, maybe, but still I'm not comfortable with that because Andy Reid uses multiple guys. Patrick Mahomes doesn't care about a running back at times, and he's just not that type of dude to get the work uh, in the red zone, although he was incredibly efficient this year. So Again, you mentioned the two, uh, you know, week three and four, he goes for 100 yards, but he had no more than 82 total yards in any game the rest of the season. A lot of competition, great offense, but not run-centric. As of right now for 2022 with ADP and all that early, I'm probably fading CEH. All right, so we're going to take a quick commercial break before we dive into the rest of these guys. The good news is those are kind of the heavy hitters when it comes to RB bust. We have a couple more we want to talk about. We'll be back right after this from uh, a quick commercial from Carefactor. We'll be back right after this clip. Where are we? Hey, TCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause, such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with Carafactor. Carafactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger-looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Care Factor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mykerefactor.com. Carefactor, skincare for hair. All right, let's get into it. And listen, now the rest of these guys we're going to talk about, you know, they, they probably didn't cripple you that much. But the first guy is Chris Carson. I wanted to bring him up. Chris Carson really wasn't much of a bust on the field. So his first three games were very good. I mean, he had 13.2, 15.1, 15.2 points per game. And then he had the game that he goes out in. Uh, he only has 3.6 points for that in that game. He did start getting a full workload, though. He It wasn't like he didn't play a full allotment of snaps. He only played about 45%. But the other thing with Chris Carson is the Rashad Penny stuff. I mean, Penny goes absolutely bananas down the stretch. Um, now, he's a free agent. Carson technically is under contract. We'll see how that goes. But ADP RB 16th, points per game 24th, and, of course, overall 76. I guess the question comes – what are your thoughts on Chris Carson in 2022, or are you buying that Rashad Penny uh, down the stretch? I will be honest, and Bob, you and I went back and forth preseason last year, dynasty talk with Dweez, everything else. I've been fading Rashad Penny because he hasn't been healthy. 
I'm all about San Diego State. Shouts out to San Diego, of course. He was a hell of a runner in college, came out as a great prospect, but he's been injured since. I haven't seen it. I can't buy it. What he did over the last of the season, man, might straight up not allow Chris Carson to have his job back, period. So what do I feel about Chris Carson? <laughs> I don't think it's up to me because he might be the backup at this point. You might be getting Chris Carson in the 10th round as the backup to Rashad Penny in the fourth. I mean, that's like a reality once we get to draft season. So he missed 17, 18 games over the last two seasons. Obviously the huge, you know, serious neck injury, Bob. I mean, that like, I'm not saying it's going to at all, but that's the type of injury that could end a career or shorten one, especially at a running back position. Unfortunately, I hope not. Obviously very tough runner, tough running style, you know, suffered a couple serious injuries and the rise of Penny. Like I'm out either way on Chris Carson because he's not going to be, you know, a seventh round draft pick where you can get like Melvin Gordon value out of him. Um, I think if he's healthy and he's a starter, he's going to be like a fifth rounder like usual. And I just don't trust it because I think Rashad Penny is the truth. And Pete Carroll wants Rashad Penny to be real. And when he was healthy and with Russ, if he comes back and they run it back, I think they're going to be just fine. So honestly, I'm probably out on Chris Carson, at least as of now. This one hurts a little. Uh, Miles Sanders. Hurts too. Now, now with Miles Sanders, okay, I put out a stat recently about how he had no touchdowns. This guy couldn't find the end zone if he didn't want to. I mean, it was nuts. If he tried, he was allergic. I feel like every time he would rush down to the five-yard line and he'd get pulled and then someone else would score. Miles Sanders, ADP 20th, finished 44th in points per game for running backs and 45th overall at the running back position. He was a bust. But when I tell you there is a room, I, I don't know if I'm going to quit him. I'm sorry. I know it's good. I love the pain, but hear me out on this. Weeks one through six, when he was healthy, they were the team, the Eagles were 30th in the NFL in rushing attempts uh, at 17.8 points, uh, 17.8 carries per game. Week seven, going into the Ram, uh, Raiders game, uh, Rick, Nick Sirianni says, I want to get the ball, run the ball, run the ball. The first three, four minutes of the game, Miles Sanders says six carries, gets hurt. Done. Out for a couple weeks. From that time frame, the Eagles, week 7 through 18, was number one in rushing attempts per game at 35.5. That's twice as many carries per game. So, when you look at his stats when he comes back, he averages 14.8 carries per game, 90.8 yards, rushing yards per game, 16.2 touches, nearly 98.8 yards total. With no touchdowns. This guy was an animal once they committed to the run. And he just can't say how I get that. And I know that. But man, oh man, if you sprinkle in a touchdown or two during that stretch, he is a legit league winner down the stretch. Unfortunately, he cannot stay on the field. But there is some room for options. I know, Sky, you're going to tell me I'm crazy. But what's his outlook for 2022? Kenny Gainwell. Remember my favorite draft pick, Kenny Gainwell? Yeah. RB 41 on the season. Miles Sanders, RB 44 in PPR leagues. I should have made a bet on my boy Kenny G. Anyway, the Eagles did finish with the most rushing attempts in the NFL. They were on fire. You're right. But Sanders only played half of those games. In PPR, he was RB 22 weeks 11 through 15, and then he got hurt again. A lot of – man, I've been doing this for three years with him and Josh Jacobs, and I'm going to continue to do it. I love the talent. Sanders more than Jacobs for sure. The talent is great. 
if he got 16, 18, 20 touches a game consistently, and I can bank on that in that offense, Jalen Hurts taking another step, I think he'd be just fine. And yes, he's probably a high-end RB2. I would like that on my roster. The problem is they use Jordan Howard, dude, right? I mean, like Boston Scott was incredible. For I mean, against your Giants, he scores every single game. What is that? Like, it, it's unbelievable that they're using these other auxiliary guys, and I make kind of a tongue-in-cheek with Kenny Gainwell, but Kenny Gainwell shouldn't be playing instead of Miles Sanders, and it was happening a lot. Jordan Howard for the fourth time on the Eagles doing it again. Boston Scott, all these other things. And then you mix in Jalen Hurts, who's one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL and not a great throwing quarterback. That's going to add in more opportunity taken away from Miles Sanders. So, yes, you're right. If he happened to score three, four, five, eight touchdowns on efficiency, which I'm sure he was actually projected for with those numbers, we would have a totally different conversation. But he didn't score them, and I'm not confident that he will score them because, look, last year, preseason, what I was saying and why I was fading him, he had three great runs in 2020. I'm not going to bank on that. He had three or four more great runs this year. But overall, yes, they turned the corner, and we'll see if Sirianni does it in 2022 with the offense, but I just can't really believe in the Eagles yet. And unless you know there's a huge change here and we know that Sanders is going to be the guy all the time, I'm just not I'm I'm not going to do it. Now again, I would love to have him as my like RB2 or 3 depending on my draft, but the way I draft and the way he's going to be drafted, like that's just not going to happen. So I'm probably out on him too. The next two guys we could kind of lump together. It's it's Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis. I think these guys kind of have a very similar kind of blueprint, but let's talk quickly about Miles Gaskin. Gaskin was the ADP RB23. He finished 42nd in points per game and 26th overall. But the thing is what Gaskin was, I actually looked into this. His numbers when he actually played 50% of snaps were not bad. So if you look at his actual numbers, he averaged 17.3 touches per game, 66 total yards in those contests, and 12.4 points per game in the games where he actually played 50% of the snaps. So I don't think this was necessarily a talent issue. The problem was that the Dolphins were just not buying into him. They had the Duke Johnson situation. They had Malcolm Brown. Um, they had Salvin Ahmed. And I think that's the kind of thing where we have to really understand. And I think we were on that. We all kind of, I don't, I had no Miles Gaskin this year. Um, but the thing is, this is kind of the takeaway from this, in my opinion, is that like when the writing's on the wall and the team is proactively trying to get a, a replacement and these guys, and this is the running back dead zone. We always talk about too. A lot of people bring this up. Um, but he was good when he was on the field. The question comes now with the new Miami staff, with Mike McDaniel, with the great 49ers running scheme. Um, what happens if Miles Gaston comes back and they give him an opportunity to be the lead back in a Shanahan scheme? Uh, I don't think we should completely just dismiss him because of this season, because the numbers show when he was on the field, he was productive. But what's your thoughts on Gaskin for 2022? Miles Gaskin wasn't amazing, but honestly, Bob, I'm kind of surprised he's even on this list. I mean, we talk about all these other guys, and they all have one thing in common. They finished far lower than where you drafted them. With the exception of Zeke, but with the expectation of Zeke, it feels bad. Aaron Jones, same thing, right? But Chris McCaffrey, obviously, Saquon, uh, CEH, Carson, all these guys with injury. Now, you look at and Miles Sanders, right? You look at uh, Miles Gaskin, he finished three spots lower than you drafted him. So, like, what do you expect when you when you draft a guy, like, 26th overall and he finishes, like, 29th or whatever? Like, are you really that disappointed? Um, my issue with – Second in points per game. What's that? 
He was 42nd in points per game, though. That's so, yeah, my he, issue. He, he that's played, my he issue. He played, but he wasn't really good. When he like, that's the thing. Like, that yeah. is my issue, and that was my issue with Saquon Barkley. It didn't feel Saquon played 13 games this year, Bob. And it, before I did this research and put all my numbers together, if you were just like pop quiz, like Sky, how many games does Saquon play? I might come up with seven off top of my head. It did not feel like 13 games. Miles Gaskin played every game this season, dude. He was eighth in running back targets. I talked about Zeke and Aaron Jones being seventh in running back targets. Miles Gaskin was right behind them at eighth, but he was uh, just six times out of 17 games, just six times in the top 24. He had four times out of the top 40, right? So like Saquon, it didn't feel like he was ever out there for your fantasy team, which is a problem. I also like McDaniel. Bevel's coming in. Like all those are good for running backs. It's good for the offense. But again, they have four running backs in Miami. And let's not forget, draft capital matters. Miles Gaskin was a seventh-round draft pick out of Washington. He's not supposed to be the guy. He's done a great job stepping up for the team. But he's not supposed to be the guy as far as draft capital goes. I would love to have him on my team, drafting him in like the sixth, seventh round. It's not going to happen. He's going to be too expensive because of what people want him to be, and I just don't see it happening. So the theme of the episode is I'm probably out but I can't name another Miami offensive uh, running back that I would want instead of him. Whereas with all these other players, I'm like, okay, well, I'll take his backup because I like the upside. There's nobody on Miami in the backfield as of today that I want on my team. So if I had to take a guy, it would be Gaskin, but I'm not excited about it. Now there's something key here, though, that we want to make sure we understand. Number one, the change in offense to Mike McDaniel. We'll talk about that in plenty. But you'll realize when we talk steals – a lot of the guys are in these, and this is what um, J.J. Zacharyson calls it, ambiguous backfields, mm-hmm. where no one's being drafted in the first five rounds at their position uh, for the running backs. So if Miami, we find ourselves, if, if it's Selvin Ahmed, if it's, let's say, Miles Gaskin and it's Malcolm Brown, let's say it's the same guys. I want Miles Gaskin in the eighth round, ninth round, because I want to take the shot, and I will pair him with Malcolm Brown to see what the hell happens because I want a piece of that Shanahan run scheme type of offense. So, and you'll see in the steals why that makes sense because there's guys like James Conner and Cordell Patterson and all these guys that come in from ambiguous backfields when these teams don't have a first, four, or fifth round pick at the position. That brings us to Mike Davis. I actually don't really have a good, you know, synopsis. You know, 23 and a half was his average ADP, finished 53rd in points per game, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, 36th overall. He plays pretty much every game. So 36th overall, but 53rd in points per game. But the thing with Mike Davis was this one's tougher too. We kind of all knew Mike Davis was a journeyman running back. But at the time, not a single person thought Cordell Patterson. It was uh, Al. It was a Quadre Allison or uh, Jaquis uh, or Rogers or whatever the the young running back was. No one was saying Cordell Patterson was going to be the guy, but we kind of knew that Mike Davis wasn't it. So this is another great example of that ambiguous running back situation in those fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. It's best to pivot to one of those great receivers because you know that there's there's just not a lot of talent there. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. But what's your thoughts? Maybe not on Mike Davis, but your car, your Falcons running backs in 2022. Yeah, honestly, man. I mean, Coral Darrell Patterson's so fun. We'll talk about him on future episodes. But um, the, the rest of these guys on this list, man, I feel like we could just like jumble up, throw them in a hat, and just pull out a name, and they all have the same story. They either got hurt or they lost their job to, to future competition. 
um, which is just what happens, unfortunately, and then leads you to a bust because you don't have enough numbers to compete. Mike Davis, though, like, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not really a toot my own horn kind of a guy, but I feel like this is the time of season where you were like, this is why I thought this. Like, Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders, and Mike Davis were all on my do not draft list in the middle of the rounds for a number of reasons. And here they are on the bust list. Like that hurts your fantasy team. I had no shares of any of these guys, which worked out. My, nobody know about Cardinal Patterson, but as you mentioned, all offseason, Bob, us and every other fantasy channel, we're talking about the Falcons are going to draft a, a running back or two. They're going to bring in some free agencies. They can't go into the offseason with only Mike Davis. They're not going to go into with Mike Davis. I can't believe they're going with Mike Davis. Holy shit, they're going in with only Mike Davis. And yeah. then Cordero Patterson happened because he's so much better. And the dude's a kick returner. You know what I mean? So, like, Mike Davis is not the dude. He played in a quality Panthers offense and got, you know, too many uh, targets and, and made it happen for fantasy, filling in for Christian McCaffrey last year and got paid. And good for him. Nonetheless, Mike Davis is out. I never had a shot and never considered Mike Davis. And he didn't help anybody's fantasy team because he wasn't efficient. And the Falcons with, you know, Calvin Ridley obviously missing half of the season, no run game again, Matt Ryan another year older, and no Julio Jones. They just completely imploded, and they had no chance outside of Cordero Patterson. Let's jump I'm going to do a quick couple of these, and I want to just talk quickly about Kareem Hunt. And I want to talk about Kareem Hunt because I want people to know you should probably try to buy that dip. Don't forget him. Don't forget this Kareem guy, Hunt. This guy, the first five weeks of the season, before he goes down with injury, was averaging 16.6 points yeah. per game in half-point PPR. That is elite numbers. And I was stunned when I saw this. I was going through this. And I, I wanted to bring him up because of the fact that, yeah, he busted overall. And he did come back, and he just wasn't right. So his the points per game looks very bad. Like, it does look bad. So if you look at Kareem Hunt's fantasy finish, it was 24th was his ADP. He finishes uh, 22nd in, in, in points per game, obviously 50th in overall because of a lot of games. But remember, he gets hurt. He tries to come back for those two games. He tries to come back for those games. He had uh, two points and 2.8 points because he wasn't healthy. Um this guy is someone that if you can get him in the sixth, seventh round next year is someone that you could definitely buy because I do like the the Kevin Stefanski offense for running back. So we don't need to get to that, uh, to that. but I want to jump into a couple of these other ones too real quick. Um, Ronald Jones, Trey Sermon, Zach Moss. I want to talk about these guys in a hole because it's the ambiguous backfields. I don't want people to walk away and be upset because you took Zach Moss or you took Trey Sermon or you took Ronald Jones. The point is you – the point of these guys is that they are paired with steals. Leonard Fournette, Eli Mitchell, Devin Singletary. If you once a draft strategy that that I think we should start talking a little bit more about is drafting two running backs from the same backfield to f see what happens because you're going to get a steal out of one of them. And it's a been it was probably a very good strategy this year. If you drafted Fournette, if you drafted James Conner and Ed Edmonds, if you drafted Zach Moss and Singletary, all these picks. For sixth, seventh, eighth plus rounds or later, you could have filled up on some receivers early. And I think that's my takeaway from these busts is that these guys all busted, but they are paired with steals that we'll talk about next week. But is there any of these sit running back situations? Obviously, Fournette uh, with Ronald Jones, Sermon. I mean, you're maybe you want to talk about Sermon and his future, but uh, Moss, anything, any thoughts on these running backs? Yeah, all right. So I'll just kind of blast through the list list quickly here. I'm I'm still all in on Kareem Hunt. Again, you're right. I mean, he was he was great two years ago. He was great this year before he got hurt. He came back. He wasn't right. The Browns weren't right. 
Baker's a problem, and he either is going to leave or they're going to have to fix something. But it's still Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt, and I'm fine with both of them. Ronald Jones, I think he leaves Tampa Bay. Frankly, I don't know where he ends up, but I think he leaves yeah. Tampa Bay, gets a fresh opportunity. If he does, I think he's going to be just fine. He might end up being a steal this year because nobody likes him in fantasy football because he's been disappointing, frankly, coming out of USC with high draft capital and Bruce Arians never giving him a real chance. And Fournette just absolutely dominating. Um, Trey Sermon, look, man, definitely a disappointment for 49er fans, but we got Eli Mitchell three rounds later in the sixth round. He's a crusher. But what you just said, I was kind of chuckling because you're like, get two running backs. Okay. You got like Zeke and Pollard worked out. Madison Cook worked out, won people leagues. The problem is with the 49ers, you drafted Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, <laughs> right? Nobody yeah, drafted probably. Eli Nobody drafted Eli Mitchell outside of Dynasty. Nobody drafted well, Trey Sermon. In August, Mostert got her, uh, or, or Wilson was out, and it started getting a little bit clear. Yeah. When did Mostert go down? Actually, Mostert went down first first play of the game. Of the season. First, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and so so okay, Sermon was in the middle of rounds there, and Jeff and, and uh, Eli Mitchell might have crept up late. But what I'm saying is. It didn't. It, that's not foolproof. It's a good idea. Like Chubb and Hunt, I had two years ago on the same fantasy team in the second round and like the sixth or something. And I won a championship with both of these guys on my roster. Singletary came out of nowhere finally, three years into it. Zach Moss, probably not going to pan out, unfortunately, in the NFL. My boy, Ken and Drake, I've already talked about. I'm going to be back in on him, assuming he's back Raiders and healthy next year. And there's two guys down here that we haven't even mentioned, but I'll just bring them up real quick. I didn't even know David Johnson was still in the NFL, got to be honest. Pour one out for my boy, David Johnson. And then Naheem Hines, who's a lot of fun, but guess what? <laughs> they got this kid, Jonathan Taylor, so they probably don't need anybody else in Indianapolis. I want to talk quickly. So David Johnson, listen, I that one is just, we kind of, when they blew up the team, no Deshaun Watson, they didn't have a shot, and the new coaching regime comes in, and there was Rex Burkett, Philip Lindsay. It just didn't make a lot of sense to – so I, I reason why I put him here though is that sometimes that like you know you have to continue to listen and read the writing on the wall when there was no they were not committing to David Johnson so even he wasn't a big pick but the one thing I want to bring up though about the two running back thing is that it's where you're drafting the first and the second running back these guys were all being drafted sixth seventh eighth round and and like Singletary and Moss you can get in the ninth and eleventh round my point is that's the point. No one knows what's going on there. So if you know that the running back could be a factor in a good offense like Buffalo, a good offense like Tampa Bay, the point is those are also tied to good offense. The Texans are not a good offense. So the two running back idea doesn't make sense. And Naheem Hines, this is a key factor. When Carson Wentz became quarterback, I was saying it over and over again. He is not Phillip Rivers. Rivers was the check down master of everyone. And I know Jonathan Taylor became a bigger factor, of course, but it was also because Philip Rivers doesn't – Philip Rivers threw the running back more than anybody. So that was the bigger factor too. Carson Wentz was not like that, and Hines was busting. So I don't see uh, a, an area where Hines can bounce back unless they go to a different quarterback, which I don't know who they're going to get at this point. Um, but that's just, I don't see Deshaun Watson going there. I don't see Russell Wilson or anybody. But overall – those are just some other factors in this. The, the ambiguous running back situation, when it's tied to a good offense, we should not be running away. We should be going after those running backs to see who pans out um, because there's a big difference between the Texans and the Bucks in that situation. 
All right, Sky, before we go, any final thoughts? I know this has been a lot of a lot of negativity. Of course, the first podcast comes back. We only talk bad about people. But I promise you next week we're going to talk steals, a lot of positive vibes. Is there anybody we haven't talked about? Any other takeaways and final thoughts about bus for 2021? No, again, I think we covered it, and we're going to get into so much over the offseason, but I'll leave it with this. Again, you have to have the mentality of you either count injuries or you don't. I, I I think it's so simple to say, but it really does matter um, because, again, you have to kind of like wash out a season. And I hate to throw away stats and throw away games and stuff, but like we've seen what Kareem Hunt can do when healthy, but he got hurt, right? We haven't seen like Mike Davis is not the truth. I'm not in on Mike Davis. David Johnson, unfortunately, I think is done, although should be in the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame for a couple of seasons. Naheem Hines. PPR at best. Kenyon Drake, I mean, he's fun for me, but he's probably not going to pan out. Zach Moss, probably not going to pan out. Trey Sermon, maybe just a bad rookie season. We'll see what happens next year, but don't trust it. Ronald Jones, we haven't seen it yet. Those guys I can kind of push away. Guys like Kareem Hunt, right, that we've seen in the past pop off. Saquon Barkley, right, like CEH. Um, Those kind of guys that are, quote-unquote, busts this year. Players get hurt. Players have bad seasons. Players have a shitty year, bad coaching don't score enough touchdowns to make it up on the top of the charts and they feel like a disappointment. But for every one of those guys, I promise you, we're going to talk a bunch of steals who are super fun to talk about Cordero Patterson's and all these guys like, Holy shit. I didn't see that coming. I happened to draft him on accident or picked him off free agency. He won me a league. Like I'm so hyped on him. Guess what? Half of that list, Bob, I guarantee you half that list is on this list next year. Because it's yeah. just not consistent. You're looking for consistency and you're looking for things that you can somewhat predict. And Bob and I and the rest of the team are going to try to help you through the fantasy season and the offseason leading up to drafts. Yeah, Ronald Jones, when he's starting running back for the Falcons next year, will be ready to go. So ready to pounce. Listen, that's that's pretty much all we got. Listen, and I want to make sure the biggest how to avoid drafting a bust. I think a couple key factors to close out the show. One, you know, the the, the running back dead zone. Is a, makes sense when you're talking about a starting running back like a Miles Gaskin and a Mike Davis. It's better to focus on running backs. The other thing to factor in here for another takeaway for how to avoid a bust is take shots on those good offenses who have uncertain backfields. That's another way to how to avoid a bust is to take guys later who are in good offenses, maybe two guys, instead of taking that fourth, fifth round running back as well. And finally, pay attention to backup running back situations. The Aaron Jones... The, uh, the Tony Pollard and Zeke situations, if we're starting to see noise that those guys are going to get more work, a lot of offenses aren't capable of having two running backs on the field every time, which means the other running backs can get less touches. And finally, we can't avoid injuries. Injuries, it is what it is. Um, you're going to have the CMCs of the world and, and stuff like that. You're going to have tough breaks like Dalvin Cook. I mean, his touchdown regression just happened. It just There's no way we can avoid that. Um so I think it's just more of an understanding of how to understand trends and versus flukes. Like Dalvin Cook, I guarantee you will bounce back. So hopefully this is all helpful for everybody on how to avoid those busts. Sky, any other how-tos before we close out? We're out of here. There's only one name that might be on this list, but we're not going to talk about him until we figure out what's going on. That's Alvin Kamara, right? A lot happening in, in New Orleans could be on the bus list. Um we just we're not going to talk about his legal situation or uh, his look at in in 2022 until we have more information. But he's one name that people might be be like, hey, what about Kamara? Um, I drafted him top three, and he <laughs> should be on this list. Uh, we're just not going to cover him until we know more. All right, man. Well, I'm Bobby Lamarco. Once again, this is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the 
fantasy-focused YouTube channel. We're going to be back every week talking on these podcasts. We're also going to be a lot of fun clips. Shout-out to our sponsors, uh, Believe, I Believe Podcast Network. And all these episodes are brought to you by AG on the Believe Podcast Network. Sky, Gowasco, I'm Bobby Lamarco. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.